a Podcast One production. When I started the brand, nobody in Australia would take me seriously when I was knocking on the chemist's doors and saying like, hey, I want to make a product, you know? And they were like, yeah, we'll see you in, you know, two years. Like, put your name on a list. And I was like, but I have the money to make a sample. Like, let's do it. And they were like, yeah, no. Hey, welcome to the Lady Brains podcast. We're your hosts, Caitlin Judd and Anna McKenzie, co-founders of Lady Brains, a digital and IRL club for female founders and founders-to-be. We're chasing down the most successful female entrepreneurs from around the globe, not only to hear their life story, but to extract their knowledge and world-class insights. If you're curious and ambitious, then Lady Brain, you are in the right place. Get ready for some hard-hitting truths, a dose of inspo, and learnings you can apply right away. Strap in. You've likely heard of Elle Ferguson or seen her pop up on your feed, but do you really know the business brain behind the brand? Elle is an Aussie entrepreneur who built her personal brand off the back of her popular fashion blog, They All Hate Us. She's worked with some of the biggest brands in the world, such as Revolve, Louis Vuitton and Prada. And in 2018, Elle decided to enter the world of beauty by launching her very own tanning line, Elle Effect. Despite knockback after knockback from manufacturers who didn't take her seriously at the time, Elle did not give up on herself or the idea. And three years later, you can find Elle Effect stocked on the shelves of beauty retailer Mecca and ready to take on investment in order to grow. We asked Elle to share some of the business lessons she learned earlier on in her career. Uh, We want to kick it off by kind of going back to the beginning, back to where it all began. Um, A few years ago, when you started building your audience and your community through your blog, they all hate us. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of how that idea came about and how you were able to build such a strong, engaged audience and community off the back of that blog? Yeah. So the funny thing about They All Hate Us was is that we ended up realising in the end that everybody did like us. It was really funny (laughs) that it it started off as this little kind of like tongue-in-cheek joke that all the guys hated us in the general pants office because all we ever spoke about was clothes (laughs) and fashion and sex in the city. But then at the end, there were so many people that loved it that it was like you couldn't ignore it. You know what I mean? But I mean... I started They All Hate Us because I'm such a visual person Mm. and I needed somewhere to house all of these amazing images that inspired me every day. And at that time, blogging was, it was kind of frowned upon. It it was looked at at as something that wasn't going to last. And all of the blogs that were kind of huge and amazing and aspirational were the ones overseas. I mean, if anybody's listening that can remember like Fashion Toast, which was like way back when, you know what I mean? And and the, if they were all overseas and they were these amazing girls and Danielle Bernstein from We What Wear, mm-hmm. like, like they were, you, you kind of looked up to it and there was nothing kind of really happening in Australia. So my business partner at the time and I started this place to just house these images because we were kind of sending them back and forwards to ourselves um, at work on email and we crashed the server and (laughs) that was not good because the server was kind of attached to all the retail stores. I mean, I've told this story, so general pants will probably, they know it so they can smile and nod. Yeah, great. (laughs) But um, yeah, we needed a place. So we we put them on this thing called a blog, you know what Mm. I mean? And 
in all honesty, it was just meant for us and our family. And, you know, posts that we were doing were silly things about like 16 candles or handbags that we wanted or cool girls overseas. You know what I mean? There was actually, it was so free and organic that if you knew us, you knew what it meant. And then if you didn't, you were kind of just like, oh, well, I'm just going to go along because they're pretty pictures. But there was a point that we realised that we were growing this audience so organically that people were kind of, you know, finding these images and they were like-minded souls, you know what I mean? And then every now and again, we'd kind of put a snippet of, of a photo of, of me or my business partner up and then people started to kind of like getting to know who was behind that blog. And then actually it was Cosmo magazine that nominated us for the Fun Fearless Female Awards. Mm. I think it was actually like their first awards. It was so long ago that when they actually kind of read like fashion blog of the year, nobody kind of even knew what a blog was. And I remember a girl sitting at the table that was um, a writer and she was like, oh, these blog things aren't going to last. And I was just kind of like, okay. And my mum was at the table and my mum was like, well, I think they are. You know what I mean? It was so taboo, you know. And then after that award, people started to notice and we would kind of walk down the street and people would be like, oh, you other they or hate us girls, you know what I mean, like that. And at that point, we were getting questions on the blog about what we were wearing mm. or where to buy a striped T-shirt. And I think because my roots are retail, the light bulb kind of went off and we were like, we need to turn this hobby into, you know, something that we can offer the product that we're telling you to go buy. We were kind of sending the traffic and the audience to other brands where we realised that we actually could hold that traffic and those customers on our site to actually make it a transition, you know what I mean? And so that's when the They All Hate Us shop was born and it was all about having 10 items every month that you needed in your wardrobe. And at that point, kind of nobody else was doing it. We were taking out all the clutter. You know, I remember going on to amazing um, online stores, but if I searched a little black dress, there was like 1,500 options for a little black dress. And I mean, I don't know if you guys are like me. I I just was, it gets really overwhelming. And I'm like, this is too much. I literally just want to look like the girl in the picture tell me where to buy it. You know what I mean? So we that's what we did. We took out all the noise and said, this is the, be- the best black dress you need to buy. Buy it now. And that's how that momentum started. And then along the way, Instagram, you know, was kind of born. And then that became our main tool of marketing. So yeah, it was just kind of going with it, listening to our customer and like pivoting where we needed to. It's interesting. I think, you know, there are a lot of businesses especially founders that we've spoken to sort of started out mm. with a platform. So, we, you know, Jess from our last episode, JS Health, Lucy from yeah. The Design Files, both started out as a blog. And yeah. it's interesting that they uh, and you had, have monetized that audience in or did monetize that audience in a different way. What was the process of figuring out how to monetize your audience? Was it really organic and natural for you guys to go, okay, we've got this captive customer base. How can we create turn this into a business? Were there multiple options that you tried to sort of um, flesh out or was it something that was just kind of really clear from the beginning? Um, I think the biggest step for us was actually retailers trusting in our platform. So we kind of knew what we had. We had a great audience. We had the right kind of audience. We had an audience, you know, with a disposable income. We sat in a real, we'd done all of kind of our analytics and knew, and we also 
knew what we were selling for other brands. So if we were putting up, you know, like buy this cotton on t-shirt, we had the relationships with cotton on at that point that they were saying, oh my goodness, you've sold like thousands Mm. of these t-shirts. So you could track where that traffic was coming from. But I have to say at that point, it was actually the brands that came on board with us right at the beginning that had faith in this kind of unknown platform. You know, we were shooting it on ourselves. It was us, not models. There were no bells and whistles. It was really straightforward. So those brands that came on right at the beginning, I have to say, were so, were a big part of it. For example, One Teaspoon, who was, you know, stocked in General Pants, David Jones, then Barney's overseas. And then they were willing to say like, yeah, we're going to stock it on this site with like two girls from Australia that have built the site themselves. So I think it was the retailers that came on right at the beginning that really made that shift for us. And was it a kind of like a slow burn in terms of the sales? You said that you could track those metrics. Obviously the retailers could no. see that this was a good return. <laughs> Did it explode? And is it that why the retailers stuck with yeah, you? Yeah. yeah. It, like, I'll never forget it. So I, we actually launched the first shop when I was working full-time at Sea Folly. Mm-hmm. And I rocked up at my desk at 8.30 and we were ready to go at 9 with an EDM. And then we were posting it on our Instagram. And I've got the shakes because I remember it. And I sat down at my desk and started, you know, answering my emails and then, like, pulled my phone out, you know, and loaded my Instagram post at 9 a.m. when we went live. And those 10 items were sold out by about 10 past nine. And, and, and we had really good units behind it. And it was at that point that the CEO at the time called me up to his office and said, I've seen what you've done. Um, do you think you'll be hanging around here much longer? <laughs> what did and you I say? Was like, do you know what? What's really, really bad is that I was like, yes, I'm not going anywhere. Oh, it's just a side hustle. You know what I mean? Because I, yeah, I genuinely, you know, like didn't, I mean, I knew what we had, but I just didn't think it was going to blow up the way it blew up. And Mm. like to have everything sell out in like 10 minutes, it was out of control. And then, you know, we spent the rest of the day chasing stock, trying to, you know, pull stock from other retailers, beg for more stock because it just blew up. And people, where we thought people would be buying like one or two units, they were buying the whole capsule. So they were buying the 10 units and then those repeat customers were coming back the next month and buying the 10 new pieces because they essentially were building you a core wardrobe. You know what I mean? They It was just so easy. Do you think there was an element of sort of scarcity and FOMO attached to, you know, the monthly collections? <laughs> like, do you think that played into the hype a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Like, it, yes, because I think, um, you know... It, it was so early on that there wasn't even a hashtag on Instagram and people actually weren't even like reposting the outfits. So the FOMO wasn't even there. I think the FOMO was just within, you'd see it was sold out. I guess for us, what started to happen towards the end was, and I understand now as a, you know, a businesswoman, that then the retailer, not naming names, would then hold a certain amount of stock and then would use our images and say, Mm. as seen on They All Hate Us, but then drive the traffic back into the... Yeah, and it just was interesting because what started as such a, you know, like a great relationship and stuff, I mean, it's business and they saw the sales Mm. that were were happening. So, yeah, I don't know if there was necessarily FOMO because the Instagram wasn't there. I think it was that sold-out sign. Mm. It's interesting. Do you think that um, if you had had your time again, you would have, 
like force, I guess it's hard, like foreseen that retailers might capitalize on the opportunity in that way and circumvent you. But how yeah, do you look, how do you control that? Yeah, I don't you know. get a contract. Yeah, what yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, yeah, what, yeah. What, yeah. What, what, that's a, that's something I'm, that we're all learning at the minute. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was going to say what I've learned is that it's all in the fine print. So yeah, yeah, you know, like I said, I was so green. Yeah, and it happened so organically, and it was so new. Even the platform and the way we were doing things was so green that like it, it, now my contracts and all my legal is like ironclad. Right. I feel so, like you guys yeah. are really nodding, so I feel yeah. like you really know what I'm talking about. Yes, yes, everyone, make sure all your <laughs> contracts are yes. tight. What were some of the, I guess, learnings or experiences, uh, learnings or lessons that mm. came out of that experience of building this incredible community and business and then, you know, walking away from what you built? Um, I think for me, what I found was, is when I would look at the sales with They All Hate Us and the items that I was wearing, I would see the sales were quadruple. You know what I mean? Like mm. it, the proof was in the pudding. So my brand as Elle Ferguson was growing and growing and internationally it was growing. I was working with international brands and I think the the world that we live in now, it's so important to pivot and move with the flow and be with the fir- be the first. And I mean, that's why the L effect was born because I saw this amazing move from, you know, especially females being these influencers and then turning these brands into their own brands with their names and their identities. And I was like, this is incredible. Like I've been working for these all these other people for so many years. My time is now to make this incredible brand that I've worked so hard on Mm. you know now and I was shooting with Jen Akin in LA for the way and I remember sitting in this trailer with her and Kristen Noel Crawley and Steph Shep and Chrissy Teigen's pug dog was there and (laughs) I kind of was yeah I was like my goodness these women have built these amazing brands for themselves they've backed themselves Mm. and I was like you know what the time's now for me to back myself and it was literally that day I was like I'm I'm going for this and and I'm going to create something you know with my own name on it because I've worked so hard I know what I can sell I know what I can do and I think the thing with digital is you can see it all in black and white you know what I mean? Mm. Like everything is numbers. And mm. I think that's what people don't realise sometimes when they say, oh, you just take photos, that's all you do. It's like there's so much in it now um, analytically. Mm. You know what I mean? You can tell what works, what can't. Brands can see what works, what doesn't, who works, who doesn't, what times, how many units. You know what I mean? It, it, it's very... Um, it reminds me of my old days when I'd sit down and do a trade meeting and go line for line on products. It's, it's that's what it is. It, it, it's not as glamorous as it looks. It's actually a lot of of numbers and theory and st- strategies, things like that. Can you take us behind closed doors into your brain uh, of the, the elephant? I mean, I'm curious. Like, is you know, looking at your you know digital analytics, your sales numbers, your stock forecast, etc. Like, is that something that you sit down and look at every day? Is it something that you um, do in a monthly cycle? How do you look at those numbers and help them inform your decision making? Like, can you take us behind? Yeah. So I guess COVID has probably played a really big part in it because as Elle Ferguson, I've kind of, I'm not traveling, you know what Mm. I mean? And I had gone from somewhere where I was on a plane probably like every six weeks, you know what I mean? Internationally, where I kind of relied on just reports and I would read the report. I would kind of like 
think about it and then I'd be like, okay, cool. You know what I mean? But then having to actually sit in it during COVID and go line for line mm. and, and, and then look at, you know, the effects of things and then what you can do. It's been a really amazing process. And I also don't think pe- people realise how long it takes to develop a product. Um, and just, you know, I remember when I launched the first product, I was like, yes, and this year I'm going to roll out another like six or eight. But with any one product, it's about a two-year process from, you know, start to finish. And then the the bumps in the road along <laughs> along that way is just, is, is so hard. Like I had one the other day, we're launching a new product on the 12th of November, which I'm so incredibly excited about. But like last week they called me from the docks and they were like, hey, we just want to let you know where the, there's strikes at the docks, which have affected your boat coming in with your stock on it. So your stock is currently in Sydney, but it's sitting in the harbour because it can't get dropped off at the docks because mm. they've all gone on strike. And you kind of are like, I would never have forecasted this happening. Do you know what I mean? So Mm. I think COVID's really given me the time to sit more in the business, which I've loved because I was kind of, um, I was so going at such a fast pace before that I probably was signing off on, you know, a lot of things without giving it a hundred percent. I was kind of like trusting, you know, other people within the business where now I've got every hat back on and I kind of love it because I'm every part of it again. You know what I mean? Um, With forecasting, I'm really, I've gone back. I used to do a monthly. Now I'm doing a weekly, which I love because I'm an extremely goal-driven, target-driven human. Um, And I love having that goal. So the weekly um, targets are amazing. I've I've moved them down from a monthly to a a weekly and we're smashing Mm. them at the moment, which is great. I like that approach. I think, you know, during this time, you do have to be really across the numbers and because every week, you know, something changes. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it's different. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, look, every day at the minute, especially in Melbourne, um, you know, it's changing and you have to be across it. So bringing the monthly down to the weekly, I think is, is a great piece of advice. I'll let you know when I go to the daily. (laughs) We want to just talk about COVID. Um, So, I mean, obviously it's been really challenging for all businesses. We can imagine for a tanning brand, it would have been really difficult because no one's going out and doing anything. So what impact has this year had on your business, but also, I guess, you know, you as a founder trying to navigate this crazy world that we're in? Yeah. So I guess for me, when I made the L effect, the the self-tanner for me was never about going out. Do you know what I mean? It was Mm. always about a confidence thing. And it was always about right from, you know, day dot, it was about how confident and good in myself I felt when I was glowing, you know, and then launching the brand, I found so many other people that felt the same way. So when we went into COVID, I really decided that I was going to promote that feeling good about yourself. Mm. You know, I think every single one of us went through those first two weeks where I like to refer to it as like my slug stage (laughs) where I literally (laughs) lived in the same tracksuit and didn't move off the lounge for two weeks. But then something shifted in me and I was like, I need to feel good about myself. So that's when we kind of shifted our whole tone of voice and advertising and messages to the community about feeling confident. Even if you didn't feel like tanning your whole body, if it was just your face for a Zoom call, you know, like it, it, it felt good. So that was that was really cool because our sales actually didn't take that bigger hit. I think other than that, we um, 
We're about to launch a new product literally as we went into ISO. And it was something I'd been working on for 18 months. You know, I was really invested in it, was super excited, had the stock in the warehouse, mm-hmm. was ready to go. Mecca was ready to launch. And then we went into ISO. We said, no, let's hold it. It didn't feel right to be talking about um, a new product. And then, you know, about halfway through around July, we were like, do we launch? And then again, it didn't feel right to me. So, mm-hmm. We kind of sat within the business again and started asking our community questions. You know what I mean? What do they like about formulas? How often do they tan? What it, it is the best research and development anybody can do is talk to their customer and mm-hmm. or their consumer or their community. And I think what I'm lucky about is, is that the L Ferguson platform is so incredibly strong and so brand loyal and unfiltered and uncensored that, you know, the questions I ask on there are uh, like, I remember doing research and development at General Pants and Seafolly and you'd sit in the room with people. These ones are just out of control because people are just replying at all hours. So I did that for a few weeks, which actually enabled me to make another new product and another new formula. And because all the warehouses and the chemists were empty, I was able to fast track it, which would never have happened at Mm. the beginning of COVID, which is amazing because I didn't think I'd be in a position where I'd be able to launch two formulas. So I kind of always like to look at the glass half full and, you know, as bad as there were days during COVID with the effect that I'd kind of was just like, wow, this is interesting. Do you know what I mean? But then in the same breath, I was like, let's turn it. You know what I mean? Let's do some lives. Let's get on air and apply a self-tan live on air. Let's see what happens. (laughs) Why not? But I love that you took that opportunity to really kind of go back to the customer. Um, And I love that, you know, you don't have to do a whole complicated customer research piece. It's like just get in the DM, chat to people. Just ask the questions. Mm. Yeah. And they're, they're your people. They're your people at the end of the day. So You said that you, um, you know, you delayed the product launch twice because it didn't feel right. Mm. Yes. How much of that was a decision based on like gut feeling and is that something that you tap into or was it, you know, having conversations with Mecca, looking at the numbers, obviously reading the, reading the you know, the current the state news. of, yeah, reading the news, <laughs> the yeah, exactly, the world and going, yeah. eh, this isn't right. How, yeah, is it more of a gut or, um, you know, kind of looking at the numbers? Firstly, Mecca were amazing and I don't think Mecca ever dropped the ball at all. And I mean, I speak so highly of Mecca because I think they're a business that are just incredible. But to me, it was a gut feeling and it was just also a personal feeling how I felt when I was on my phone or getting EDMs and how Mm. I felt when I kind of got, you know, like there's a new product launching. And I just was like, you know what, me as Elle Ferguson, I wasn't necessarily kind Mm -hmm. of felt good about it. So I decided to, to stop. And now with the launch on the 12th, I feel really excited about it. I feel like Melbourne's out of lockdown. Do you know what I mean? I feel Mm -hmm. like the, we will know who the president will be in the U (sighs) S Good, bad or ugly. And it also gives space yeah. within, you know, the media to be able to speak yeah. about something else. And, you, totally, you know, yeah. as a business owner, you've got to be wary of what's going on because, you know, it, there's only a certain amount of space that can talk about a certain amount of things and you don't want yours to kind of fall to the bottom of the list. You want it to be up the top. 100%. So how, with your upcoming launch, I'm yes. curious, like how have you designed this product, designed the campaign so that you get 
so that it's talkable. Like, yes. how are you going to make noise? We're all <laughs> naked. No. <laughs> we didn't do that. Yeah. We thought about it. But then we, but then we were like, you know what? I probably wouldn't go full nude. So we pulled back. We pulled back. There, were, there was many discussions. Hey, no idea is a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, This right. is true. Sometimes they get a little bit of a look and like a, roll, a side eye. And I was like, yeah, guys, we could all be naked and we could be in our own skin. It, was, it oh got weird. God, it got weird. <laughs> it got weird. Okay, so that got axed. <laughs> yeah, look. Next. <laughs> the products for me, when I develop a product, again, it's something that I've heard that customers want or I feel like mm. it's missing for myself. And then the campaign for me, you know, I have so much fun creating these campaigns. And I guess what I want to do is just produce, you know, A-class images that convey a really great message. They spark confidence when you look at them. And I guess also, I always say when you look at them, you kind of want to be that girl. You know what I mean? It's like, it's got those cool girl vibes. That's what they or hate us had back in the day when you looked at it and you wanted to either be friends with that girl or be that girl. You know what I mean? And that's still something that I do when I do my campaigns now. So watch out, world. <laughs> oh, can we get a little teaser, a little taste into what we're going to see on November 12th? Yes. I feel like I need a drum roll. Um, oh. <laughs> I, Tell us everything. I feel like I've been giving birth to this product for so long that oh it now it just needs to go. It needs to go. I mean, it's been fly. a year. It, it actually has been yeah, but it's a been long a, time. But it's been a year like actually made in a bottle before that it was like a like two years of not even being in a bottle being in like a batch of just product but yeah so I'm excited to say that the next three products for the L effect is it's called the tint so Mm -hmm. it's an amazing like it's like body makeup so it camouflages all of your bad things so bruises or scars or psoriasis and if you don't have time to tan you can put it on for an event or if you've got lunch or something like that then I also find that when your tan um, fades you know at the back of your knees or on your hands you can use the tint to even it all out so it it evens all your skin out we've done that in two shades so you've got the tint and the tint two, and then you've also got a blending brush, which I'm so excited about launching because I apply my tan with the, the blending brush as well as the tint, which is so amazing. And the people that we shot the campaign with last week, all of the makeup artists took the brush and have been sending me photos of using the brush and the product on set. So yeah, I just, I can't wait. What was the process like of developing the product? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there's a story here. (laughs) Probably if I knew how hard it was, I probably would have like been really quiet a lot longer and, and, and actually had developed a lot more products at the beginning because you don't realize how long and hard mm. it is. You know what I mean? And also as soon as one product launches, the next question is, is when does the next one launch? You know what I mean? And when you're self-funded, it's a process. You know what I mean? You you kind of have got to sell one product to be able to make another product. And that's what I've kind of found is that without an investor and without a, you know, like a big bank of cash, it, it, it is a real, and this is how we used to do it in They All Hate Us, you know, like the money that went in the bank bought the new stock and it flows over like that. But the most exciting thing about the wash and the tint is that they're actually manufactured in Australia where the oh, cool. yeah where the tan is manufactured in California and the reason of that being was is that when I started the brand nobody in Australia would take me seriously when I was knocking on the chemist's doors and saying like hey I want to start a I want to make a product you know and they were like yeah we'll see you in you know 
two years, like put your name on a list. And I was like, but I have the money to make a sample, like let's do it. And they were like, yeah, no. I mean, I spoke to like endless chemists in Australia because I felt really passionate about being Australian owned and made. Um, and then I just couldn't get my foot in the door. So I went I, to California where I knew there were a lot of chemists and, and manufacturers and straight away they were like, yep, let's, what do you want? Let's make a sample. Let's do it. And, um, it wasn't until I launched the self-tanner that those chemists must have realised that I was actually an inverted commas brand and then, you know, came back and contacted me and said, you know, if there are other products you'd like to sample, let's try them in our chemists. And, you know, I now use two different factories in Melbourne, which is great, but it's just funny how the circle goes, you know, like you sometimes you've got to prove yourself before people take you seriously. Did that piss you off? <laughs> that you weren't taken seriously? <laughs> no, it always adds fuel to the fire. Does it's, it? Oh, yeah. It's like, go for it. Yeah. It's not great for the industry no. or anyone in Australia trying to build a business or, or a woman that's trying to be taken seriously. Yeah, but I, I also... I mean, and not everyone has the option to go over to the US. No, so but you do... Yeah, but you do have, I think now with the internet, and, you know, it's, it's Instagram, DMs, I, I think you do. You know what I mean? I think before when I had They All Hate Us, I was really limited. I felt like I could only, you know, have what was in Australia. But I think now the landscape has changed so much that you can literally email. I email random places all the time. Like the packaging places I email, I don't even know who they are. I've just Googled, found the address and I'm like, hey, can I get a sample? You know what I mean? Like I, I, I think now the barriers are a lot more broken down. And I think now you can go and try to talk to anybody in any country. I think business is business now and money is money. You know what I mean? I think with COVID and everything like that, people realise, you know, it's not as easily come by. So if somebody wants to work with your company, then I think they kind of now say yes. And you feel like Australia is caught up as well. I do. I think, um, again, I think I was at the beginning of the cusp of when, you know, people were making brands of, of the influencer essentially was turning into the, the brand owner. I think now it's a lot more common. I think people understand how that world works a little mm. bit better. I think when I was kind of doing it, they were like, and who do you work for? And and I was like, well, me, you know what Myself. I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I just don't think they, I don't think they kind of got that when now I think it's even like when you write on your, you know, your passport, you, you can write influencer or entrepreneur or brand owner. And they're like, yeah, yeah okay, cool. Go. You know what I mean? I, th I think you're not judged as much as if you rock up in a pair of ripped denim shorts to a business meeting where, you know, five years ago you had to go in a suit. So yeah. I think yeah. a lot's changed. Yeah, mm. definitely. Can I ask, how much does it cost to formulate a new product? Is it a big, big investment? <laughs> yeah, for one, like just, just as a ballpark. It's a lot. It's, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. And the, the funny thing is, is that the actual product itself, I mean, pending what it is, is, is not too bad, but it's everything else that you've got to add on top of it. You know, like a lid costs money, a tube costs money, the printing <laughs> on the bottle costs money, the shrink wrap, the security seal, then to get it from one factory to another factory, then to get those bottles from China on a boat to Australia. Like it's, you know, and then you've got, you've got all your taxes that you've got to pay on top of it. And then trying to keep in mind that you need to keep your retail price down so that the consumer yeah. will buy into your brand. 
then, you know, add on top of that advertising. Like I'm, I'm extremely lucky that I don't invoice Elle Effect for Elle Ferguson's work because it, she'd be broke. But <laughs> So they're two separate businesses yes. that are set up. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're yeah. two separate yeah. businesses. But, you know, that that's amazing that I have that platform that I can use. Um, but, yeah, it's it's not an expensive, it's not a um, cheap exercise. But mm-hmm. I always kind of say um, to people when they ask about it, I'm a real saver. You know what I mean? And I, I, mm. I don't buy a handbag if I can't afford it. I've got to pay cash for it. And it's the same with the L effect. You know what I mean? I save up for it. That's when I say to you, I can't launch multiple products at once. Um, the blessing in COVID was, is that I could save my dollars to launch the other product. So that's the way it works for me. You kind of, you know, I reinvest what I make. Have you ever considered taking on investment? So the exciting thing is, is that yes, now I am. And it's really funny because I remember being in this spot when I did They All Hate Us. And Mm. I remember somebody saying like, what about investors? And I remember feeling like, no, I don't want an investor. This is my business. I know everything. No, 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 no. (laughs) And then, you know, going down the same road the second time and having that opportunity, you know, come at you again, what I've learned is, is that yes, I do. I need an investor. Do you know what I mean? Like I, and it's not cash. It's actually knowledge. It's business knowledge. It's actually, you know, what I don't know. It's how I grow, how I scale. And I think that's what a lot of businesses face, you know, is, is scale. And I think also just how quickly it moves, you know, it's the same, like it happened with they all hate us. You know, I have the ability that I sell stuff out really quickly, and it, it, it's just working out how you scale that. So, yes, I, I, I'm very, it's funny, three years old, the L effect is, and I'm, I'm now ready to have that investor talk. And have you started having those chats with investors or is this something that's sort of relatively new? I started at the beginning of the year because I saw the business, the success, the business was happening and the growth rate that it was at. And I also know that I'm one person, you know what I mean? And and, mm, and I just was yeah. like, it's also time to kind of take that leap of faith. I never took that leap of faith with They All Hate Us and I, and I want to do it with this business. Were you a one-man band at the moment, or how how's your te- how does your team look? How do you structure your business from a team? Well, now we you? all talk on Zoom calls. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> <Nice>. same. <laughs> yeah, no, we've got a good team. We've got a small team, we've, but yep. we've got a good team. I always kind of have thought about having the best of the best. Do you know yep. what I mean? So I've got great PR. I've got great um, digital. I've got a great sales. I've got great logistics. So I just I, we're we're small, but we're mighty. You know what I mean? And I, again, I learned that from They All Hate Us because it was just us and we did everything. And when I say everything, we would pack orders till 3 a.m. Then it was us at the post office. Then it was us replying to customer service. It was us uploading. And I learned that, you know, the thinner you kind of spread yourself, you're not giving where it needs to be given 100%. So that was something that I really actively changed when I did Elle Effect was is that, I've got key people in the key roles that I need for my business. Um, Of course, a lot of things happened with COVID and I had to, you know, kind of let a few people go, sadly. But, you know, we're building ourselves back up and and that's because of the nature of the world. Do you know what I mean? The travel's not there for me, so I'm here, so I'm more in the business. But, yeah, 
it's it's a small team, but we're mighty. I love that. It's definitely a silver lining, isn't it? Being able to just stay put and focus on your business. <laughs> and But really, I mean, you no, probably think you're in it and yeah. you're working on it, but it's not until you're forced to, <laughs> to, to sit back and, yeah. and, you know, yeah. But it's, I think it's kind been. of, yeah, it's kind of amazing though. Like I watched the intern the other night with Anne Hathaway. Hathaway yeah. and you, you know when she yeah. orders the dress from her online store and it arrives and it's not wrapped the way that she wants it to be wrapped. It's it's really funny when you have that moment and you kind of go into something. And I, I remember I right at the beginning of COVID, I just, you know, went through all of these images we had and sorted them out. And they took a week to sort out. But I've, you know, like it saved so much time now, but I would never have had that time. And it's such a little thing. But then, you know, six months down the track, it's saving so much time now. So yeah. Little things. Where else have you saved time? What have you been to been able to systematize, automate? Like, can you run us through some it's some of those areas? Everything. You- it's like everything. You know what? The big thing with us was sustainability. Um, and during COVID, it gave me the time to actually look at every part of the business that where I could look at having something that did good for the environment, you know what I mean? And reduce our carbon um, footprint. So that was amazing, even down to the sticky tape that's on the box, I was able to take the time to actually find a recycled, you know, sticky tape that I could use. And then I I actually looked at what, I remember at the beginning, I was like, I want a postcard in every order and I want everything to be in a, a reusable travel pack. And then, you know, again, talking to the consumer, I was like, how many of you guys actually use this reusable travel pack? And then I was like, we can't travel. So I could yeah. actually take out that element, which brought down my price. You know what I mean? So it was things like that I've found really, really interesting. The processes, you know, I... um. I changed platforms. I used to be on WooCommerce. Now I'm on Shopify, which has been amazing. Um, You know, Afterpay has just launched in New Zealand um, and another country, which I've forgotten about, but that has been amazing (laughs) because we've integrated that. You know what I mean? It's like processes like that. It's it's been really interesting to be able to kind of like sit back and... um, and go through it all because there's just so much, you know what I mean? You could change your website every day for the rest of your life and still not look up to date, you know what I mean? And then fonts, then you like fall into the world of fonts and then you're like, I'm going to change the font and then you change one font and then you're like, I'm going to change it. I need to change the rest. (laughs) So, so, I mean, we all fall victim to that, especially as a business owner, a small business owner. I want to quickly talk about the visual identity of L Effect. And I mean, it's so fun. you got the little icon. It's very playful. I would assume that it is you. Like it, it you know, it does, it's relevant to yeah. your personal brand. <laughs> yeah. um, how is it evolving? How has it evolved? Have you needed to push it? You know, where do you do that? Do you do that with the products? I'm really interested. Can you talk us, can yeah. take us into the visual identity? I mean, I guess at the beginning, I kind of, I th- again, I thought I needed all the bells and whistles. I mean, the Tanner launched with a set of stickers and I wanted to be able to have the stickers everywhere. You know what I mean? And then like there was a postcard in there and then there was the bubble bag and that. And I think right at the beginning, I kind of, I was so nervous that people were going to need all of these other things to, for a reason to buy the product that I put them all there, that now the product speaks for itself. So I think we've, paired back a lot you know what I mean um 
I also have found that the consume. I, I, I found it, I like everything really polished. Do you mm. know what I mean? I, I, I really like the best of the best when an image goes out. And what I've found with the L Effect audience is it doesn't need to be as polished. They kind of really like it quite raw. You know what I mean? And if you make a mistake on your hands, they want to know about it. So I guess I've kind of brought that barrier down a little bit with the L Effect, but still trying to keep quite chic. Um, I... I loved pink at the beginning and now I'm leaning more away from pink, which is really funny because pink was such a big part of that brand identity. Um, but when you look at something so much, you kind of, you question it a little bit. It drives you crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love it. It's just not as much as I used to have. And I mean, that comes down to the, even the website. I, I thought the brand was, it was a pink brand, but the girl, I just, I think she wears pink, but it's just not as full on as, as it is. Um, you know, the, the tints launching with a pink bottle, which, uh, sorry, a pink lid, which I'm really excited about. And then also, I, I think I tried to move myself. I, I mean, I, I am the brand, but I didn't put my face on anything. And now um, our application mitt, our exfoliating mitt and our blending brush all have my face on the boxes, um, which is something I'm really proud of. But I think when I started, I probably didn't back myself hard enough and, and think I was worthy to put my face on the box. Do you know what I mean? And I know it sounds really funny, but Mm-mm. you kind of like, I don't know, you, you're like, oh, goodness, like, it's you know, do I do this? And, it, you know, when you buy 50000 of something and you put your face on it. Got to be sure. <laughs> You've got to be God, really. You've got to love the image too. Yeah. You do All have right. to love the image. But I think when you take off your L Ferguson hat and you put on your retailer hat, you think, you know, how do you identify with the brand? Well, people mm. identify with the brand because they identify with my face. So essentially I'm a spokesperson for the brand. So get your face on there. You know what I mean? They're, they're buying it because they want that. So now all those boxes have my face on them and when I go into Mecca and I see my old boxes versus my new boxes, I'm like, what was I thinking? Like they stand out that we're selling, you know, that golden glow. You need to be able to see it. So yeah, the brand identity is very much what it was at the beginning, but she's just been fine tuned. I love that. I just wrote down, um, get your face on there. That's going to be your new, t- <laughs> that's your new tagline. Yes, get, <laughs> get your face on, on there. Get your face on there. Oh my God, I think great. when you like fall over, I think when you fall over and you got to get back up again, you get a little, you get, you get a bit stronger every time you have to fall over. And I think three yeah. years down the track and, and I, I feel a lot, I feel a lot stronger. So hence why my mm. face is on there. I'm just not naked yet. That might come. Next year. Yeah. Yeah. There's still time. There's still time. There's still plenty of time. (laughs) What have been some of the biggest challenges, fuck ups that you've made along the way? Oh, where do you? Biggest hurdles. What list do you want? (laughs) I'll just pull that. I'll pull my folder up right now. (laughs) It's called the mess up folder. Um, Like the biggest one, I mean, oh God. The biggest one would probably be right back at the beginning with the self-tanner, which had come in from the United States of America. And, I mean, number one mistake was is I was like, let's air freight it, not put it on a boat. And I didn't realise, you know, air freighting was so much more expensive than um, sea, than doing it on the water. But I was like, yep, let's do it. I want them here now. So that was the first worst thing because you're already in a negative of thousands of dollars. 
Then um, when the delivery person called me and they said, like, where, what warehouse are we delivering to? I was like, I don't have a warehouse. Just deliver it to my house. You know what I mean? 20,000 bottles of tan. And they were like, oh, do, you have a, do you have a pallet jack? I was like, I don't need a pallet jack. And they were like, how are we getting the pallets off the, the truck? And I was like, my boyfriend and I are going to, like, get them. So oh then, my God. wait, it gets better. It gets better. Uh, just because I just was like a goer, you know what I mean? I just was like, not going to think about it. I'm just going to go with it. Then we live on the second floor of a building. So there's three flights of stairs to get to the building. We carried 20,000 bottles of tan up into the apartment. Every room was full, like to the ceiling. Then I was like, oh, I'm just going to open a bottle up and have a look at a bottle. And at that point, I was like, take photos of me. I'm going to put this in my book. This will be like when I got all these, you know, like, you know, when you have that moment when you think you're going to write the book yeah. about, you know, your amazing success. And, <laughs> and then I opened the box up and I was like, why is the American cruelty free symbol on the back of the bottle? I was like, it's not supposed to be there. And then I was like, don't freak out. It's fine. And then I like rang the um, the printer in America and they were like, yeah, that's the file you approved. And I must have like, uh-huh. you know, just approved the wrong file. Like I'll take accountability for it. I did. I probably looked at it and thought the front of it looked amazing and didn't look hard enough and approve. I just didn't look hard enough. You know what I mean? And then I opened up that bottle and I was like, you know, like there's 20,000 and when you equate 20,000 bottles and how much money that's cost you and the air freight, I was like, mm. I've got to make this work. So then I'd had the 20,000 bottles shrink wrapped because I didn't want them to leak when I sent them out. So I then got a tiny little square, the white square that was like a centimetre by a centimetre and Joel and I spent the summer taking off the shrink wrap and applying the little white sticker over the back of the cruelty-free emblem on the back of the bottle. And then on top of that, it was like the summer that was like 45 degrees every day and I was so paranoid that the bottles were going to get marked. I made both of us wear plastic gloves whilst putting it on and we did every single one. And I remember a couple of customers like emailing and they peeled off the sticker on the back and were like, why have you covered up the cruelty-free um, emblem? And I was like, the wrong cruelty-free emblem was used. It was the American one. I can get sued if I'm using that one. So like I was really honest with them. I told it what it was, but it was like such a moment. Like it was just, and I'll never forget it. Wow. Now everything is like, check. I've got like a copywriter that checks everything because you just, I think you get a little bit caught off with it, like, you know, like signing off on things, but now everything is like finely tuned and looked at. So that one still makes me feel ill. Wow. What a story. Yeah. Take a breath, guys. Take a breath. (laughs) That. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. That's a hard way to learn the lesson. Yeah. Yeah. But you learn learn. Yeah. You learn it. And I was like, you just, I don't know. And then I also think, again, you get stronger, you get back up, you go again, you know. And I remember when my next lot of bottles arrived and they didn't have it on it. I was like, hallelujah. You know, like, and in that moment I was like this is a win to have had these a on a on a ship and I didn't have to pay for the air freight but then like have the proper bottle you know and then also those bottles when I when I was able to get them um 
oh my goodness, I've just hot pressed so that the mm-hmm. label's actually on the bottle. When I when I, I got to do that, that was so amazing that I didn't have an actual sticker label. It was hot pressed on, it was huge. It's really funny, like when you go th- through it, like the roller coaster and the, the things that you think are amazing, you know what I mean? Like when I got that box with my face on it, I was like, holy hell, my face is on a box. Yes, <laughs> I made it, but my face is on a box. <laughs> so yeah, you kind of just go through it. But at the end of the day, my product was always the best. I was so glad that there was nothing ever the matter with like the formulation. It was all the other stuff. That was wrong. <laughs> Everything else, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and on the other side, on the flip side, what have been some of the biggest wins, biggest successes, moments that made you smile? Uh, um, number one would be Mecca. I mean, the funny thing with Mecca was is that when I launched, they um, were calling me and said, like, we want you, we want, we want you in the business. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing, but give me 12 months because I feel like I need to refine the brand, I, I, you know, I, I, I want it to be perfect when it went there. So I took the 12 months, I redeveloped the application mitt. I got them the hot press bottles, you know what I mean? So knowing that they were a fan from day dot mm. was incredible. And now being in Mecca, I mean, I've been a Mecca girl from the beginning of time. I remember getting the Christmas catalog when I was younger and it just being like, oh my gosh, this is like the best place ever. So having my own product in that store is just incredible. That is a milestone. Um, I The other one was when I landed back in Australia from LA and as I let, like the, the plane touched down, I got a notification to say Kim Kardashian had posted the L effect and, and she had that all over stories. And that was wild because I just, I still don't even know how it got there. Like I just was like, did she purchase it? But we went through the tracking. We couldn't find it. It was just amazing. Ooh, how to, weird. That's yeah, interesting. Amazing to have that support. You know what I mean? Um, um, yeah. That was incredible. And then to be honest with you, it's when I get messages from people that use the product and mm. genuinely love the product. And again, back to that confidence, saying how good they feel with it, you know, is having a product that works, that people love is is really rewarding. We have a few final questions. Yes. So what is one thing that you're asking yourself right now? I guess what's next? Mm. What's next? And I think it's kind of like, it's almost like what's next today, what's next tomorrow, what's next in the next 12 months, what's ha- like what's happening. I think things are a little uncertain right now and I, I think what next comes with excitement but there's a little bit of fear. What's one thing that you need right now or the business needs? I'm going to say the investor. I'm going to put that out there. Yeah, reach out anyone that's listening. <laughs> what kind? What kind of? Inv- what kind of knowledge are you looking for specifically? Knowledge and character, yeah. <laughs> and a little bit of cash. I think. I think it's really hard to find. For me, what I've seen is in Australia, especially, is somebody in the beauty space. Do you know what I mean? That is willing to invest, you know, their time, their resources, and and them into the business that's going to help grow it. Well, it's in the universe now. I know, and I really believe in that because whatever I put into the universe always seems to come back, so it's out there now. Yep. Once you speak it, that's it. Yes, so true. Can't can't take those words back. No. Shout out to another person that has helped you on your journey. Oh, gosh, there's so many. Can I list a few? Go for it. Okay, I'm going to say my sister, Lucy Ferguson, my partner, Joel Powerful, my manager and just friend, Camille Toulouse, Jen Atkin for being a cheerleader, um, 
all the Revolve people because they've just been amazing. Um, just people, there's been, I've been lucky. The people that really wave the flag, wave the flag. And finally, what are you hopeful for? I'm hopeful for success. Success. I think I've worked really, really hard and I wish success to people that have worked really hard and I hope I have it too. That was meant to be the last question, but I'm, I'm going to ask you to define success. Oh what is success for you? <laughs> what does success mean to me? This is like the hardest question in the world. I think success to me is being able to get into bed every night and feeling very calm, cool, collected and happy, you know, and whether that be personal life, professional life, emotionally, physically. I just think being good in a good place all round is success without the worry. Yeah. That's a nice place to end. Mm. Thanks so much, Elle. Here are our biggest takeouts from this chat. So firstly, while systems and processes might be a little bit boring, setting them up will save you time, money and energy in the long term. Someone else should be able to step into anyone's role in the business and know what's up. Secondly, we really loved how Elle is a sales-driven person. She understands the link between every single action and the dollar it drives. What opportunities do you have in your business to run some tests like she did? Whether it's a content idea, email marketing split test or a website update. How can you make really small changes that have big impact? And lastly, get to know your customer. Chat with them wherever they are and use these insights to inform decisions around your product, brand, marketing, messaging, everything. Your customers will tell you what they want. All you have to do is ask. We hope you enjoyed this chat. For more potty action, follow us on Instagram at lady.brains or sign up to our monthly newsletter at ladybrains.com. Ladyland is a Podcast One Australia production. The producer is Brooke Carrigan. Audio production by Matt Nikolic. For more great podcasts, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au or download the Podcast One Australia app.